my dream wasn't to own four houses or two companies or cars and so that wasn't my dream but it became my reality and when i noticed that it was like a i don't know sun just hit me straight into my face and said you need to change in this episode i have award winning actor director, stunt coordinator, kung fu master, Ramin Sohrab, who also happens to own and operate a successful marketing, branding and PR company here in Helsinki, Finland. Or at least he used to own and operate a highly successful marketing, branding and PR company here in Finland because recently he gave it all up and sold everything and moved to the US to chase his dreams. Ramin speaks to me now from his new home in Hollywood, California, and shares with me how his life changed when he had a moment of clarity and recognized the truth about what he really wanted from life. So, let's get to it. I'm Tan Lei, and this is Noticing the Obvious. Ramin, how are you? Hey Tan, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the for the podcast. Yeah, thank you for coming. I know you're a super busy guy, so it's always nice to catch up with you. Thank you. So, thank you. <laughs> you're in LA yeah. right now. Um, when you meet people, when somebody asks you, "Hey, what do you do? How do you describe yourself?" Uh, usually, I just say I'm a martial artist and a filmmaker. Like uh, those has been the two main uh, kind of uh, things that I do. So, but if we go more into the details, there's so many things that I could do. But in <laughs> LA, it's so it's it's not so good to say I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, I'm editor, I'm the director, producer, actor, writer, and it goes the list goes on. So keep it short. For me, it's martial arts and making films. Cool. I, exactly. Keep it short. Yeah. I think should apply everywhere, not just in LA. That's true. That's true. Now, when you're in LA and you say you're a filmmaker, mm, I mean that's quite common, right? You're gonna. There's a lot of people who are filmmakers and actors and writers there. Do you find that? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's actually every person you meet. There somehow. Not every person, but like most of the people you meet, they're somehow involved Connected, in yeah. in film. You know, either their cousin is somebody in the film industry, or they did something in the film industry, <laughs> or they are like actors, and like there's there's so many things that are involved into film. So yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I lived in LA for one year in the mid two thousands. And it was an exciting time, especially when you're when you're a filmmaker, because you're you're like one person away from the person that needs to get your career started. Yeah, but but there's also one thing Dan, that has changed. Like oh. uh, Hollywood had been before about who can discover you, or somebody comes and say like, "Hey, I can give give you a job, or I can give yes. you this movie." But what have changed 
what I've understand more because I was here 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. I lived here, I studied here. And back then it was a lot more about who discovers you. Yes. And now it's more about what can you do, you do to be discovered, you yes. know, because the, the, the possibilities are so much out there. So I can start a YouTube channel. I can go on Instagram. I can do live. There's so many things nowadays that you could help to be discovered but the old hollywood and film industry that somebody comes to you on the street and say hey you could be in my next movie i don't think that's happening <laughs> anymore mm. it's more about what could you do to be more visible to people who could help your career man that is such a good point that's such a good point because yeah. the last time mm. i was there exactly same as you probably um Last time I was there was over 10 years ago. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously what's changed is social media because now we, yeah. we as in the creators, we have direct access to the audience. So we don't need the middle people. We don't There's need the no producers. There's no middle man. Yeah. Absolutely. We There's don't need no anyone's permission to, to, to connect with the audience. Absolutely. And in a way, because of social media, all of us are kind of producers in our own yeah. lives, yeah. but the producers vary. Some people do quality content. Some people just do content. You know what I mean? So in that sense, yeah, if you're a producer of your own life, what do you want to put out there so people can enjoy, learn or hire you to do something for them? Man, that's yeah. so point. That's so true. The whole, I mean, I was there for a year, and the whole time, my mission was one to get into James Cameron's office, and because I had two meetings, I had a meeting with James Cameron at his office, but I didn't meet James Cameron. I met his producer, and then I had a meeting with Drew Barrymore's producer at Flower Films. Oh wow! Wow! And so, and. That's all you're trying to do. You're trying to get meetings with producers at companies. And I spent so much energy trying to get into Lightstorm in Santa Monica. That was James Cameron and Flower Films. And I was, that's all you're trying to do because you couldn't access the audience. But today, you're yeah. right. I didn't even think about it that way. You'd, you're not trying to meet anyone who can help you. You're trying to meet people you I'm can help yourself. You, you can collaborate with. Yeah, collaborate with, you put yourself out there and sooner or later, somebody will discover you, somebody will want to work with you because it's always fun, always better to have somebody to work with you to just discover you, you know? That way you are in, you're involved in that discovery. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not like somebody just came on you on the street and said, hey, Tan, let's go. I want to make a, you a movie star. No, yeah, they can't you do, do that. something, you do something that makes me go like, hmm, this guy has potential. I would love to work with him. And now together, you guys can do something bigger. That's the main point. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Let's take it a little bit back to the beginning. Tell me about, because you're, you're from Iran and you're in LA, but we skipped over the whole Finland. So tell me about your connection with Finland and growing up. So Discovery. basically, I, I, yeah, I was born in Iran, Tehran, and uh, my whole family moved to Finland. I think I was like four years old. Okay. So I, I basically grew up in Finland and then uh, 
I think I was about 20 years old when I moved to US to study filmmaking, study acting. And then I went back to Finland and then I went to Iran and actually directed the first Finnish Iranian action film. Yes. Wait, so wait, wait. I, wa the... I want to get to that. I want to get to that. But first, I <laughs> okay. want to hear about your first discovery with martial arts because that's how we met. We met over 10 years ago uh, talking about making Kung Fu films. And you, when I met you, you were already known as just the number one Kung Fu guy in Finland. So I want to know, how did you first discover Kung Fu or martial so arts in general? I, yeah, I... I, I... I discovered martial art when I was four years old, or actually Whoa. my father, my father started taughting, uh, teaching me martial arts when I was four. What? So I, I kind of didn't have a normal childhood. My childhood basically was doing shows around Iran and uh, doing like trainings, like hardcore trainings when I was a kid. So there was a lot of trainings when I was a kid. There wasn't so much sandbox and uh, muscle trucks and like you know transformers it was all nunchucks sword all kind of a, like animal movements for Shaolin Wushu so there was a lot of martial art when I was a kid Amazing. so basically martial art has been part of my life from the very young age and then when we came to Finland that was just part of my life I, I trained every day I, I, I was with my father we taught other people to do kung fu and then slowly i got interested in movie industry and how i could benefit my abilities in martial art and put it in films man yeah. it's still amazing to me because i still remember the first video clip i ever saw of you in some tournament <laughs> and i had that? never <laughs> i don't remember but I, it, this was like 2005 somebody showed me because I was looking for oh, wow. Kung Fu guy to, to make Kung Fu films with. And they were like, you have to meet Ramin. And I was like, who's Ramin? Oh. <laughs> and then they showed me this video clip of you. And I'd never seen anybody like fly. You lit, you know, forget oh, wow. Michael Jordan. <laughs> you were flying. I was like, who? Oh my God. Who the hell is this kid? Oh, you were God. awesome, That's man. Nice. So That's nice. are you still flying these days? <laughs> Yeah, actually, I'm flying a lot, and I I actually did one uh, photo shoot a couple of days ago. It's about meditating in midair. So oh basically, you do a martial art movement in the air, but you close your eyes for a split second. You are disconnected from everything around you, and you try to be in calm and in peace. There's actually the picture on Instagram. You should go check it out. It's a it's a medita It's a Zen kick to be. Uh... <laughs> TV, like yeah, same Can you tell That's me so um, cool. some of your early influences in terms of Kung Fu films? What were some of your favorites growing up? Uh, I think like Jackie Chan had a lot of influence on me uh, when I was a kid. And I remember I saw very like, because my, my father studied Shaolin Wushu in China for five years. And mm. when he came back, he talked a lot about Chinese action film and Asian action film. So I kind of grew up with Asian action films and Jackie Chan was one of them who was, uh, who was part of that. And then uh, from there, there were so many other like ho Hollywood action films that came, came along like Sylvester Stallone, Arnold. There was, there were so many at nineties. Uh, so nineties action film, I grew up with those mm. and then Chinese action film. 
But one that I really loved was uh, Jackie Chan's grand, grand, grand uh, wait, Drunken Boxing. Okay. Drunken Master. Drunken Sorry, Master. Drunken Master. Yeah, Drunken Master. That was a great, great film, great drama, great action. Well, that was a classic. Yeah. That was the first time anybody, anybody had seen that drunken move. And Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't brought that back. Or maybe drinking is too controversial now. I think now everything is conversation. <laughs> like yeah. now you cannot bring half of the things we did in nineties and eighties, you cannot bring it back. <laughs> I, I would say more so, than half. More than yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. It's depressing. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, so then um moving a little bit forward with your career in Finland, you went into marketing a little bit. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I went to the marketing with my ex uh, and we did some uh, big advertisements for companies because from the young age, I had very much passion of uh, brand marketing and coming up with unique ideas, how to promote something. It could be anything. It could be ice cream, it could be a candy or it could be a Tesla car, you know, mm. but just thinking of unique ways to bring uh, brands to market and how we can affect like I studied it a lot to how to affect uh, most efficiently with customers and I I learned that whenever you hit that emotional spot in a customer mm. you can sell anything it's just it's just matter of getting that emotion the emotion can come from the smell come from the touch come from the experience, come from like, there's so many ways to simulate emotions in customers. And a lot of, lot of brands, when they think of advertisement, they just want it to be cool, pop, hip. But if it doesn't go through to the emotional side of customer and consumers, then that advertisement wouldn't do anything, you know? Mm. So that was something I studied a lot. And, and uh, I managed to do some big, big, uh, marketing for big Finnish companies and, and uh, U.S. companies back in Finland. But that, that was something that I was into beside the martial art and filmmaking. We actually made a very good company in Finland with my ex and we did uh, advertisement for big companies. Yeah. Mm, awesome. Now, you said a lot of brands, they want to just be cool in the beginning and they don't really think about making that deeper emotional connection so how did you find it easy or difficult to educate them on the best approach to market like it, it was like uh, what, what I had to explain a lot with these companies were that it's not matter of let's say we go to an event and somebody sees a Pepsi can in the mm. event or drinks the Pepsi there okay mm. so He's thirsty or she's thirsty. They drink the Pepsi and they don't go home, but they will not think about that moment because it didn't impact their emotionally. You know mm, what I mean? Yes. But if you do something in that moment that it will impact them emotionally when they go home, guess who's go who they're going to talk about? About that moment when they had that Pepsi. You know, so that was the one of my challenges to explain to a lot of these brand people that how can you influence them in a deeper level so in their back of their mind every time they go to the store there's a coke and pepsi they reach for the pepsi because of that <laughs> one experience so yeah. now that's 
easier said than done, right? Because and also sometimes. No, let me let me let me tell you one example. For yeah, example. please. So like, okay, so uh, we have a promotion stand in one of the biggest uh, music festivals in Finland. We have two options. Options number one is just give free Pepsi to people at the festival. That was the option number one, which they wanted. Like, yeah, let's give free Pepsi to everybody. But what I came up with is like, hey, let's bring uh, ship containers to the festival. Let's build inside that ship container escape room game. So anybody that goes inside that container, they have 20 minutes with their buddies to figure out how to get out of that container. <laughs> If they get out, they get the Pepsi. So now the Pepsi was extra, but now they will talk about like you remember i said to you like open that box the code was this so they they had an experience at the festival with the drink and now they can combine that because it influenced them in a deeper level they had an experience with that brand you yeah. always want to have experience with the brand or something that makes them emotionally attached so this was one of the big success for us we did it in many festivals back in finland We had containers, which they were teams inside, and it was a basically escape room game, but it was like mobile. Mm, and also, I guess they associate it with a reward. Like I had to, mm. I had to work hard, and then that was my prize. So then you value absolutely. it more. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. That's really good. Now, in terms of Finland, and now that you're in the US. Do you notice any kind of difference in attitudes towards selling and marketing? Because I find that here people are a little bit more reluctant to promote themselves. And even, you know, whether it's brands or whether it's personal branding, you know, people don't want to manipulate, people don't want to sell. What do you think? Uh, in terms of like how, how selling works in U.S.? Yeah, do you notice do you notice any big differences in terms of attitudes towards selling? Uh, they're more open here. Like in Finland, for example, they're more spec spectacle. How do you say the word? Spectacle. They don't they don't trust so easily. Okay. Like if they if it, if there's a new product in Finland, oh skeptical. Skeptical. Oh my god. Yeah. Skeptical. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, skeptical. Yeah, so they are. In That's here, true. Yeah, in here, they're more open, but it's just hard to convince them. It, if they're open, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're open to buy <laughs> yes. the product or try the product. But I'm just saying the conversation is more pleasant here than in Finland. Finland, you go with all the facts. Here you go with the mood, with the feeling, how you feel. Have you tried this? Well, what's your problem? What do you want to improve in your life? In Finland, it's like, look at the bottle and it says the facts. <laughs> so it's yeah. very, you, it's very that, black and white. And do you think that still sells in Finland? Just just presenting the facts or you know, just presenting the features? No, but it's changing. That's the thing. Finland used to be like that. Finland used to be very black and white in terms of like what consumers want and then they don't want. But now they... People are starting to trust their own gut feeling or their like overall feeling about the product and they go mostly with the feeling and not so much about the facts. I know a lot of people do that, but it's mainly how do you feel about the product and you start trusting yourself with 
uh, making good choices in your life and products you use. Yeah, that's the thing. At the end of the day, people are the same everywhere. So we're all yes. we're all emotional, and mm. yeah, I believe I absolutely. believe absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but then other there's a couple of marketers who I meet who uh, surprisingly people work in marketing, and they say like it's unethical to try and manipulate people's emotions. What's your opinion on that? Mm, it it depends on like I I don't think you can manipulate. You can of course try to give them advice or guide them in a correct way, uh, but it depends. It's a it's a very controversial kind of a discussion about mm. uh, is it or is it not. But I, I I will not go deeper on that. I just say like the people who are behind marketing or like making promotion for the product they have to think about it how far they want to take it and what's the price to be paid if if it goes through or not but end of the day in marketing truth will always win and if you have a good product you don't have to manipulate people you just have to be creative and being manipulative or creative that's totally two different things and my way of thinking in Finland was be creative, not manipulative. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's yeah. a choice as a brand marketer. Yeah, I like that. And the the thing that you said really quickly, which I think was really important, which is the truth always wins. Meaning, you need to have a good product to begin with, and the only it's only a problem. Marketing only becomes a problem when you don't have a good product. Then you have to do some manipulation and you have to be extra creative. But if your product is good to begin with, then you don't need to lie to people, right? You just got to present it. Yeah, because Pre it's two kind of marketing. One is you want people to know this product exists. Two is you want to sell this product no matter what. Yes. It's two different things. Yes. So which one? Which one is it? And and usually the products we took under our company in Finland, they were all high quality. So it made our job easier. We just had to come up with creative way for people to know the product, come experience it, and have a good feeling about the product. That's it. Yep. That was the only thing we had awesome. to do. So then the only yeah. tip is, if your product is not that kind of product, then don't worry too much about marketing yet. Worry about making your product better. Would you say? Yes. Yes. Make make the product better. Give them advice. Get like do even a testing because like. If you have a product out there that it's not so good, but you still want to sell it, if you go to audience and say, hey, we want you to tell us how you feel about this product. A, they feel involved in the developing the product and B, they can be honest and that will encourage them and the company to make a better uh, product and for them to actually come and buy it next time. You know what I mean? Like you can change, you can, if there's a bad product, you can change it to make it better and you can actually use consumers to do that. So next time that product comes to the shelf, they can be like, hey, we were developing that product. You know, we were giving our feedback about what works, what doesn't work, you know? That's a, also a way to do that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I don't know why uh, you, you wouldn't want to ask the audience because you're making it for the audience. So the same, 
No, the but a lot, lot of the lot of the companies they don't like to do that. A lot of yeah. the companies they why it's a, um, I don't know. There's so many so many people on the board that and a lot of the people they don't they just don't want to involve people in their business. That's it. <laughs> Interesting. All right. That's so it. speaking yeah. of involving people in your business, I would guess that's what you film people really appreciate that because we make films and it's all about the audience. So let's move forward to your first feature film. So you'd made a bunch of short films before that and you you have your own business. So how and why did you decide to make a feature film? Because you have, have a successful company film, yeah. and you're doing really well. Why did you want to go into the movies? Uh, because the thing is, I've, I've started martial art from the age four. I've had shows all over the world. I. I had world championship. I had all the black belts and movies. One that was the thing I, I could continue my martial art background, you know, because after a while, when you go to competition, you start winning, then you're like, now what, you know what I mean? So then I thought, okay, so movies are my way to continue my martial art and bring it to the big screen. So it has been my dream for a very, very long time to make, my vision come true and i wanted to do something very crazy mm. which was this first finnish iranian action film <laughs> so it had digested inside me for a very very long time and when the opportunity came i sold everything i invest in the film and i went in iran and start shooting amazing so that was the but but it was a, it was a long dream so when you say very, very long you, when you say the opportunity came, what was the first sign? What was the first thing that told you, okay, this this is the time. Now is the time. This is a very silly one, but I'm gonna still tell tell it, and yeah, I've, tell I've it. never told this anybody to anybody else. Oh, so okay. I was um, in my thirties with my ex. We had uh, uh, four houses in Finland, and the last house we bought it was like. Uh, like a big big house and we had two dogs <laughs> so basically at, at the at the age of 30 i had a company i had two companies i had houses i had good income and everything was working like everything was perfect on like i i had everything in finland and i was uh, you know uh, doing the lawns at outside with those small cars you do uh, lawns um, okay i don't yeah. know what it like Lawn? a small tractor yes so i was doing that and in the middle of the like it was a big big acre i in the middle of the grass area i i shut down the tractor and i start thinking that what the hell i am doing <laughs> i practice over 25 years martial arts getting myself ready to do something with my film and start shooting and so on and so on. So then and there was the first sign that I had to do something, even though then I had everything in Finland, like life was good. Mm. But when sometimes you go off track, because everybody has dreams, everybody has ambitions, you know, and then you start settling down. You know, you start settling down on what you have and you start making yourself happy with things that weren't supposed to be there at the first time. You know what wow, I mean? Wow, yeah. My, my, 
my dream wasn't to own four houses or two companies or cars and so that wasn't my dream but it became my reality and when i noticed that it was like a i don't know sun just hit me straight into my face and said you need to change mm. and it was such such a scary scary moment for me mm. because i had to have a discussion with my ex i had to i had to do anything like everything and then it meant that i had to put all of my savings sell everything so basically you built up a life for 10 years then everybody is like oh i wish i had ramin's life but in in the in they didn't know that inside that wasn't my dream you know what i mean like mm. i wasn't deeply happy about it so i started doing the changes in my life we broke up with my ex i gave up the dogs <laughs> i went to iran so wow. it, it was a lot of sacrifice and and because it was gone gone for such a long time for 10 years i was going off track wow um, you know what i mean and when you get lost you know how hard and how much sacrifice you have to make to get back on the main road. And it took me now three years. Guess what? I'm back on you're, the main road. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. You're back on track. I'm back on track and I'm so happy. Than I have never been so joyful. I wake up in the morning praying and thanking that I am where I am. Where you're supposed to be. And I am be. supposed to be where I am. Yeah. So simple. But it but it had to be like a lot of things had to be sacrificed. Yeah. But trust me, when, when you do that, the feeling, the euphoria, the, the love, the peace, it's such a great thing that sometimes it's overwhelming. Man, that's really, that's powerful. And I think a lot of people, you know, we're all, I think we can all relate to being lost and away from our path. But I think most of us, we stay lost because that change is so painful and so difficult. And that is because it means, Tan, to be honest, yeah. to be honest, after 10 years, these are some deep stuff, but at, after 10 years, when you have so many friends, so many students, all the family members like adore you, you have a, 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 a fiance, you have like happy family, you have to give everything away. There is no room for, I just give a little bit away, but I keep this. I can like, okay, I, I sell this house, but I keep the card. No, you have to go full on to get yeah. back on your track. God damn. And that's the hardest part. Like for, trust me, for six months in this three years pre period, for six months, I was all alone, just focusing on where I have to go, what I have to do to get where I'm supposed to be. And to be honest, 10 years ago, when I lived in US, I was studying filmmaking. I was meeting all these Hollywood people all this like action people hollywood people producers actors that was my track mm. but when i went back to finland uh I, I i got with my ex and started doing all of things that didn't really matter for 10 years i was lost i don't know if you have seen the 
Inception movie. There is a yep. layers of layers of sleep, and then there is a one layer that's called limbo. Yes. And in the film, they say if you go to limbo, you can be there forever. Yeah, it's hard and to come Le back. Leonardo, out. yeah, and Leonardo DiCaprio, I think he was in the limbo for ten years in that film when he went the first time there with the wife. So yeah. that's what happened to me. For ten years, I was on a limbo. I wasn't on my track. I was doing things that I thought will make me happy. And that's the most biggest mistake human being can do. They start doing stuff that they think it's going to make them happy. So basically you're fooling yourself. Oh yeah. Buying, totally. buying things you don't need, getting along with people you don't need in your life. <laughs> oh, you know what gosh. I mean? Oh, yeah. Because you do that to make yourself feel like, okay, I'm wanted. People like me, people love me. And then you start slowly living for others. Yep, That's yep, the biggest yep. mistake. But here's, yeah. here's what I find Anyhow. really, <laughs> the thing that I find yeah. really interesting is um, a lot of us, we reach that moment when it's through, when it's through like poverty or something really sad or something really depressing, you lose something, something bad, right? Whereas you... Yeah you were comfortable you had money you, you you what i'm saying is you had comfortable so then it's really hard to notice i'm not on my path because when you it's it's easy yeah. to notice like if i'm you know if i'm drinking i'm doing drugs or i'm broke i lose my house i lose my money then it's like oh i'm not on my path that's easy to notice but when you're sitting in your lawnmower and you just you know you got your big house and you got your successful business, that is really difficult to notice. So I'm really but, surprised but that's, that, you notice. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that uh, like uh, one thing I I noticed a lot of people talk about motivation and how to motivate themselves. Do do you know this term? On Monday I start working out. <laughs> yes uh, yes it's you know always that. tomorrow okay. i'll do it tomorrow tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow yeah. next monday so, i start yeah the thing is motivation Dan, is not something you can decide i cannot go like hey on monday i start working out. yeah you can't no. say on monday Mo i'll be motivated no motivation is something that will happen inside you and it it's so weird that it doesn't need a big thing that's the thing like when you you would think like after 10 years being in that limbo somebody would come to me and like a cloud open and a voice come on a, <laughs> yeah. like you are not on your path you shall go this path no yeah. it was such a small thing i was doing my lawn imagine that the spark <laughs> started there and it was such a small spark that now three years later I am on my path. You know what I mean? So motivation is not something I can decide when I, should I, how. Motivation is something when you get it, dude, trust me, just grab it as hard as you can. Like even with some, some people who have drinking problems, they cannot go like, hey, next month I'm going to stop or this month I'm not. No. Someday you're at home or you're with your friend, but something inside you say like, hey, I'm going to stop drinking. It, it, it didn't came into your mind. It was something a lot deeper. Then when you catch that, mm -hmm. that's your winner ticket. That's your ticket out of the limbo. That's oh. the kick when they use in the inception to wake you up from that dream. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. Let me, 
let me ask you. Um, so you're saying that we can't, we can't create motivation. We can't spark it. it. It we have to wait for it to come. Is there something that we can do? Do you think? Yes, you can. In you order can to make the prepare yourself. Yeah. yeah. How do you make the of environment? Course. Yeah, environment. You can start making environment. And one thing that I learned, which helped me a lot, is just meditate. You know, just like let your body talk to you let your mind talk to you and i'm not talking about like just going out and trying to figure out or thinking in your head mm. like meditation have been something that has helped me a lot in a way that i can be truthful to myself i can listen to my body i can listen to my mind and if the spark happens then it happens if it's not it's gonna happen but the thing is that we have to uh, stop force feeding ourselves mm. with some lies that don't like every time this spark is going to happen like well, okay one thing the the um, the uh, lawn thing story mm. happened when my ex was somewhere there was nobody at the house i just right. decided so to you were calm the, and and yeah i was calm and the moment was right and then the motivation inside me was like let's hit him now <laughs> let's yeah. hit him now and let's see what happens so that's that's the thing don't 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 rush it you cannot think about it you cannot make it happen what you can do is make the environment su suitable for motivation that comes inside of you and it's such a powerful thing beautiful beautiful thanks yeah. man that's really yeah. well put okay so now let's move to iran so you you've got the motivation you sparked what was your how did you end up with the movie? So did you write it? Did you get a writer? What was your next yeah, step? I, 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 write, I write the first version. Then I brought in some other writers. We brought in Sami Laulayainen. We brought an Iranian writer. Then we brought a US writer, uh, Christopher Larson. So there was a lot of writers involved. And then I went to Iran. And it took me a while to actually get a permit. I'm actually the only and not Iranian resident director who has a permit to shoot action film in Iran. Wow. And it took us a while, took us a while. And one person that really helped us on this journey was the Finnish ambassador in Tehran. Okay. He, he kind of saw the spark in me. He saw the vision that I wanted to do and he really helped us in way to getting the permits and everything in order so we went there we shot the movie and one thing that happened during the shooting was unfortunately i broke my leg mm. we had like one more week left to shoot i broke my leg and at that moment everybody everybody was like shocked like what will happen now with the film mm. but that was the moment I, I didn't rush it. Uh, we brought in the writer. We start working on the writing. We start working on the rough cut. And the film is getting better and better every day. And I think now that we go back and shoot the rest of the scenes, it's just going to be much better than I ever could imagine. So how but long, everything worked out. How, how, yeah. long, um, how long did you take time off then after you broke your leg uh, I, we are still taking the time off like yeah. we shot there last year so we are still oh, taking time man. off and then the corona hit yeah so now we are waiting so the corona ends how's your leg then how's your leg right now it's good it's good 
it's good. I can I can do stuff. I can do action still. So everything works. Okay, and works well. and just quickly about the pre-production. Did you say? I mean, you put in a lot of your own money, but was it all your own money, or did you get investors? Did you get funding? No, it was all my money. God damn, Ramin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so, so you're the <laughs> you, so you're the writer, producer, director, actor, and financer. Financer. <laughs> There's so many things. <laughs> Would you? Yeah, but I think I'm just gonna take the credit of directing it. Okay. Now, yeah. what's it like? I've always wondered this because um, obviously I've directed, and I've never acted. And I always wonder when I see people like Jackie Chan and you, how do you direct? You do you find it? Do you sometimes when you're an actor, when you're when you're directing yourself, do you sometimes wish you had a director directing you instead of you directing yourself? Of course, that's the that's the main goal to have a great director to direct you. But uh, my first uh, uh, kind of a goal was to get a best uh, DOP there is like a cinematographer to do so like somebody I could trust that they can do the job when I'm in front of the camera so I, I hired uh, uh, Mark Hobson he's from Australia but he actually lived in Finland I think now he's in Dubai but he came with me Ron he he trusted me in, on this project and we had a very good bonding and Every time I was, I was in front of the camera, he knew how to shoot it, and I just knew how to act it. So in that sense, we had a very good uh, we had a very good kind of a chemistry there. Okay, and you haven't uh, mentioned the name yet, so tell us the name of the film. Layers of Lies. Cool, and we can look it up. Do you have a website for it? Do you have clips? Do you have yeah, behind the scenes? Yeah, layersoflies.com. And we were actually, last year, we were part of Frontiers program in Cannes Film Festival. Mm -hmm. uh, Ule did a very big article about the film. So if you just write Layers of Lies film, action film, there's tons of material out there already. Awesome. That's exciting. So you're planning to go back to Iran or have you finished shooting the Iran scenes? No, I'm 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 planning to go back to Iran because um, yeah, we are, we are planning to shoot uh, also there some scenes, and but one thing that had like helped me a lot is that the material we already shot in Iran, the teaser we put together, have managed to uh, get me new jobs here and and new opportunities and i'm actually in a hopefully in a couple of months if my visa things go through i am a stunt coordinating and second unit director on a new gerald butler film nice. here in the us nice yeah so there's a lot of and then there's some companies we are talking about my next film an action film to be shot in in the us and hopefully somewhere else okay um directing and acting or no i'm 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 really trying to move to directing yeah of course there are some roles i would love to play because of my action abilities but mainly directing because i have so many visions i want to bring to life so i think that's the way to go 
Awesome. I love it. All right. So we're almost out of time. So I just want to quickly talk about now your life in LA. So you said already that you appreciate every morning you wake up and then you're really thankful. Um, can you tell me about first arriving? Like, did you ever have any doubts? Did you ever question yourself? Oh my God, what have I done? Leaving the 10 years. I, I built this up for 10 years. Now I left everything. Did you ever question yourself? Uh, of course, the, the three years is always like the three years that I was trying to find my path. It was always questioning, always worrying, always thinking what would be different if I wouldn't left. But trust me, Tan, when you put your first step on that path you were supposed to be, mm. everything changes. You just feel right. You, bec you become a new person. You start trusting yourself. You start appreciating yourself that, man, you made it. You were lost in the jungle, but you made it. This is the road. And every day, something new happens here to me, which is so great because that's the path I was supposed to be. And uh, the, the only, only sad part is that you start thinking like, damn, why didn't I came here back sooner? Earlier, why didn't yeah. I do this earlier? But... <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me i'm very happy that i'm back i'm very happy and blessed that i can wake up here i can meet new people i have work opportunities i have i have my visions that i can uh, make come true mm. so there's so many things happening and the development for the last six months that i had in here is such amazing and such a powerful that no, I don't doubt it why I did it. I don't doubt it why I gave everything away. But I'm rather happy. And to be honest, I, I haven't felt like this in over 10 years. Man, truly inspiring. Thank you, Ramin. Thank you so much. <laughs> One hour went so quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. I'm really glad it went quickly for me as well. And you made some awesome points. And the last point, I just want to quickly summarize it. It's really yeah. important thing, which is, it doesn't have when you're on the path when you're on the right path when you're doing the thing you're supposed to do there doesn't need to be any big ev event or big achievement right just no, every day feels good you, because you yeah you're, you're being true to yourself that's exactly you you now comment the best comment ever when you're in a path even having a coffee in the morning exactly. feels yeah. such a blessing. Oh man. Rather than lying to yourself and trying to be happy, trying to force yourself to be happy, that oh man, just get back to the track and everything will feel magical. Beautiful. All right. Awesome. Ramin, it was so great Rob. talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank and you. everyone, Thank you so much. go check out layersoflies.com. And Ramin, I hope uh, it won't be too yes. long before we can hook up again, brother. Absolutely. Hopefully, I'll see you here or back in Finland. Yes. All awesome. Right. Thank you, Tan. Thank you. See you soon. Great talking to you. All right. That was Ramin Sohrab, living the dream in California. Check him out online, raminsohrab.com and various social media channels. And as you just heard in the podcast, he's a super chill dude. And that's it from me. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, 
please visit noticingtheobvious.com. Or if you're currently listening in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or something, just scroll around and choose another episode. Cool. Thanks for listening and see you next time.